You're listening, you're listening to, you're listening to Not Your Average Culture, a podcast geared towards promoting less consuming and more doing, where I discuss topics related to dating, lifestyle, creatives, and entrepreneurship. This podcast will challenge you to open up your mind, think about things differently, and ask yourself, am I doing it for the culture or doing it for myself? I'm your host, Chardonnay. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the Not Your Average Culture podcast. First off, before we get started, can you all tell I am in a really good mood, okay? <laughs> like, I am in a really good damn mood. And I think I have finally found a good flow of how I want to tackle a few creative projects for the year. So I am very ecstatic about that. And also, let me tell you, at the beginning of this year, I got a chance to make some greens and black eyed peas. I threw out some old stuff from my closet, cleaned the house, and then saged it all down. And honestly, I think after I did all of that, I think the black eyed peas is what's really holding me down and giving me nothing but good vibes because so far this year has been off to a good start and I have no complaints over here. And you know what they say, that if you cook black eyed peas on the first day of the year, it is likely for it to bring you good luck and fortune. So last year, I did not get a chance to do it. And this year, I made sure that I had more than enough time to do it. And I really think that that is really what's giving me all this good energy. So, with all of that being said, speaking of good vibes, the guest I will be interviewing for this episode knows all about setting the tone for good vibes. This week's topic falls under the entrepreneurship category, and I chat with Ross, who is a businessman and is also an entertainer slash rapper. Now, traditionally, we hear stories of how artists create music that are club bangers, but lack substance. In this episode, Ross mentions how he is revolutionizing what's considered cool for the culture as he drops gems within his music. Most importantly, we discuss his various business ventures and how he manages to juggle it all. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. Ross. Hey, hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm So you ready to get into this interview? Let's do it. Already, let's get it. <laughs> so usually before I jump into the questions, I like to let everyone know like um how I met the guests that I'm interviewing. And so basically um, I kept hearing about this bar that popped up in Chicago called Drink House. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, well, house. Drink House. Drink House. Okay. I kept hearing about Drink House. And so when I came home for the holiday, um, I was meeting up with a friend and she was like, where can we meet? And I was like, well, let's go check out this new bar that I've been hearing about and you know, I bumped into you, even though you didn't remember me. I'm going to get on you about that later, but it's cool. Um, I bumped into Ross, and um, I really like what you're doing. And so, 
Yeah, inviting them to come onto the show. So I know who you are, but can you explain with listeners who you are and a little bit about what you do? Awesome, awesome. So I am a entrepreneur, a businessman, as well as an entertainer. Um, I do a multitude of things, um, but kind of right now I am a in the in the in the easiest form, like you say, a um, uh, an entertainer, a businessman, as well as a uh, entrepreneur. So I started out in the financial field, and as a result, just kind of learned a lot of things there that I still apply to this day. I am a part owner, or co-owner of a one of the dopest vibes in Chicago called Drink House, a supper club, Creole cuisine. Um, I obviously am a musician. Make music, songwrite, um, as well as do a whole lot of other stuff. Uh, tech startups, uh, invest, uh, help other people invest. Um, yeah, oh, and obviously, um, curate one of the, the most, uh, well, one of the dopest um, party uh, parties in the world called Drills. Yeah, like um, I I think that's how I first was introduced to you is through the drills. Um, my friend had invited me out, and so um, it was definitely a good vibe. And even when I went to the bar that you co-owned, that place I really like what you all have going on there. Like it was definitely a good vibe in there as well. So I understand you are a multifaceted person. You work on Wall Street. You are an entertainer. Is it okay to call you a rapper? You're a rapper, right? You're a rapper and you're a businessman. Can you share with listeners how you got into each of these professions? Sure. Um, I mean, just in general, getting into finance was one of the things that was kind of uh, um, something that I started doing early on uh, freshman summer of college, um, where I was interning. I've interned at Wall Street probably every summer of my um, my college my college career. Um, and it was just kind of a natural transition. I learned a lot about it. <laughs> was very interested in it. Um, you know, interned at Morgan State, interned at Berkeley. Probably my junior summer, one in the senior year, another was a, at um, was at Morgan Stanley again. Um, but you know, getting into that was something that is, you know, I want to say say a dream come true because coming from where I come from, that being the South Side of Chicago. I have never known what Wall Street was. <clears throat> had no true idea what finance was. So what I will say was uh, it was just a blessing in the sense of helping, you know, expose me to something that was, you know, helping expose me to something that was something that would turn into be uh, a very, you know, pivotal point for me. How did you uh, find out me. about the program? Uh, well, it was just uh, uh, my school. So I went to the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, one school of business, and as a result, it's a school that many businesses come and recruit. Um, and I was just walking, you know, I was just walking on campus one day, and I was like, oh, let me go see what's going on here. You know, as a freshman, you know, didn't know much, but I just walked in, and I just started listening. And I was like, okay, I'm trying to apply to this. And I ended up applying, ended up getting a freshman summer internship for 10 weeks in New York City, uh, working at Morgan Town, and, you know, the rest was history there. Um, 
music, you know, music is something that at the end of the day, if you live in the inner city, you know, especially in any big city, but, you know, any any inner city, you know, hip-hop in general is just a way of life, right? And so, no matter, obviously, you listen to music, lunch tables turn into either you roasting people or you rapping, you know, that's, <laughs> you know, that's not always the thing. And so, uh, when I was in high school, we had a, uh, a studio, actually, in the school, and uh, me and my homies would just go in there, and this was the time where, you know, Nobody was really big on saying, let me be a producer. You know, everybody was trying to rap. Everybody was, nobody ever wanted to manage. Everybody was trying to rap. And as a result, we would go online, on wire. You know, I don't even, I don't even think it was YouTube at the time. Put in any type of beat, you know, any of the trending stuff. So, you know, if there was some Lil Wayne trending, uh, some Kanye trending, whatever it was. Like Kanye was down and out instrumental, you know. Um, and I, I don't know if you remember why white, but it did take you about five, ten minutes to, to download one song. So, I definitely remember the uh, Lime Wire days. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so it was just there. We started making songs over beats. Um, and then I kind of just kept with um, I was just, you know, making music. I wasn't necessarily putting stuff out, but it's, you know, the hobby. Um, it wasn't until I got, you know, older that um, I got closer to the music industry because my older brother uh, who was really good friends with uh, the singer Jeremiah uh, he, he began to get you know extremely close to music he went to school for music you know him and Jeremiah both went to college together also high school together so he was always close to music and as a result I started just you know getting closer to it so my brother's songwriter as well as an artist and as a result I'm like okay we continue to get closer to it and I'm starting to see you know the who's who of the people um, and as a result um, it was one of those days where me and my brother just made a dope song one day and we put it out and, you know, it was something that kind of, you know, it, it caught on in a, in a strong way amongst my friends and people that I didn't know. Um, and it was amazing. You know, I was talking about Wall Street type shit, you know, Dow Jones this and Bar Stocks this and that. And, you know, people that I knew, people of similar backgrounds was like, yo, this is some of the dopest shit I, I've ever heard. And as a result, it was like, okay, let me continue to make music. Um, and that was kind of that. Just being close to it at the highest level, being around my brother and some of the dopest people being in the studio with 50 Cent, so well, you know, stuff like that. Going on tours with the J. Coles of the world while, you know, J. Mal was on tour with them. So it was just something to being able to learn, you know, something that always made me say, okay, I can do this. I can do this. That's what's up. And that, that kind of leads me into the next question that I have for you. Like, most people may know you for being a rapper, but I personally know you for, like, hosting, like, the drill parties. Um, but what came first? Like, was it rapping? Was it hosting the drills? Was it finances? Or, were like, what? how did that all work out? So... And all honestly, kind of all came together, right, at one, right? And I say that mean, like, one hand always washed the other. So for me, I was in New York at the time. I really started to even consider music more seriously. But at that same time, me and my best friend, we started um, this company called The Drill. Where The Drill was just an outlet for, you know, sophisticated people that wanted to go and, you know, get a little ratchet with it. So we, like, literally a sophisticated ratchet turn up where, you know, we're in New York, uh, 
we're fresh coming in because we both went to school at Penn, so we fresh from Philadelphia, New York City. We're like, man, we're throwing we're throwing events at our house, you know, hundred people in our career type box, literally. And who's alive? Maybe we just start taking this elsewhere. And so, you know, we started at a small lounge and then we just started throwing bigger and bigger events. And the result was at that moment where it was like, well, hell, if if I'm you know, I've always been an entertainer type person. So it's like if I'm throwing a party and I'm getting, you know, several hundred people under one roof, I might as well try to capitalize and, you know, see if I can make people, you know, my fans or, you know, see if I can actually, you know, get people to listen to my music or see if they might actually like my music. And as a result, um, it was pretty easy. I literally just kept, you know, doing drills while simultaneously um, performing at them. And that's kind of what it is. So the drill now is is events that we've thrown in several cities. We've thrown several events in LA, um, in Texas, maybe in Austin, Chicago, Miami, Atlanta, DC, Philadelphia, and New York City. So now anytime I go to any of those markets, and in each of those markets I've performed, right? And whether you see me performing or you hear my music, that's kind of one of the things right now. It's you know, a large, you know, very, very, you know, pretty popular events that, you know, we love to, you know, partner with brands and partner with people just so that they have a doper experience when it comes to taking the music and just buying, you know, like getting dope people under one roof and let's, you know, let's have some fun. That's what's up. So what does a typical day in the life of Ross look like? Because you are pretty much everywhere with all these events and then performing what does a typical day look like for you that's i mean typical days uh, i mean there's no typical day i'll probably start there but on average what i will say is um a, a typical day for me is you know kind of one being in tune uh, and what's going on in the financial markets you know handling business in terms of you know you know, the actual financial aspect of my life, um, whether it's, you know, checking stocks or, you know, making calls and, you know, making deals, that type of thing. Um, in terms of the events, you know, I'll, you know, I'll probably, you know, talk with some of my partners and it's like, okay, what are we doing? You know, okay, what drills do we need to do? What, you know, what liquor partnerships and sponsorship opportunities do we need to be going after? Um, when I'm talking to my team in terms of music, it's like, okay, um, you know, what are we putting out this month or next month? How are we getting better towards that? Um, when I'm talking about, like I told you, I have a dope-ass startup called The Up Next, um, where it's literally a music tech company. Mm. Um, so I'm also talking to my, my team there. But in short, you know, The Up Next is literally, um, it's it's the gamification of music discovery. Mm. And so what that means is literally, you know, allowing people to run their own virtual record labels um so just trying to find out who's the you know way you went is just trying to find the next biggest thing you know the next trade the next taylor swift what have you right and so it's something that we partnered with you know capital records and um you know we just came from a we did a couple weeks out in la with them but so you know coming back full circle to the question like a typical day like it's really a multitude of things it involves finance it involves, it involves music it involves event planning um, talking with my team on the startup side as well as making sure everything is running smoothly in terms of drink house. 
Um, and yeah, that's kind of that. Wow, that that's <laughs> um, dope. I have a ton of I have a ton of like different you know text message groups where it's like I right, hear my music text message group I'm talking to my 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 team on that. I'm talking to my videographer um, and saying, okay, what type of um, new things are we trying to do? You know, talking to my team, my managers, and other co-owners of Drinkhouse, talking to my, my co-founders of the startup, my, you know, my tech team, um, and yeah, drills, talking to my partners, uh, my partner, looking at venues and talking to, uh, you know, other stuff and their plans, just, you know, making it happen. Wow, that's dope. So, um, I guess, like, being a businessman and navigating corporate America and rapping, how do you balance life and how do you build your team with everything that you have going on? One one advice, one part of advice that I've always got was try to surround yourself. Like, <clears throat> if they say, if you're the smartest person in the room, you should be in the wrong room, right? And mm-hmm. I just apply that to life, right? It's like, I try to always surround myself with people that are, you know, smarter than me in every component, right? Well, I'm sorry, not in every component, but smarter than me in some component. And I think that that's what makes the, the most successful people. They know where they lack, they surround themselves with people that are stronger in that area than they are. And that's kind of where I'm And so, you know, I, I need to talk to the who's who, you know, the marketing gurus, you know, that, that is able to help, you know, market all these different, you know, things that I have, you know, when it comes to, you know, finance, you know, I need to talk to people that have access to better deals. Well, you know what I mean? Some, you know, private secondary offers that, you know, otherwise, you know, most people can't, you know, get access to. Um, and that's, and that's just kind of what it is. Like in terms of getting a team, it's like, you got to find the right people. Um, you know, you find people that are passionate, just as passionate as you are, as well as, you know, make, um, you know, add value in, in, in our in your stronger in certain areas that you that you're not as strong in. And that's kind of what makes a great team, right? It's just like literally, you know, surrounding yourself with the best people. Mm-hmm. So, what keeps you passionate and motivated about pursuing these different ventures? I mean, it, it honestly is just kind of ingrained in who I am. Uh, you know, any any day, you know, I value every minute, every second of the day, and any. Anytime I'm doing something, I understand you know, the opportunity cost of it is like I'm not doing something else, right? And as a result, what keeps me passionate is like, you know, just a natural hunger of wanting um, more, wanting to, you know, build and leave behind a certain legacy. You know, when it comes to music, I definitely am 100% certain that I have a story that, you know, very few people um, can relate to. And as a result, me, you know, it's like, what? What am I? What What am I trying to make music for? Is it, is it to become famous, or is it to actually, uh, is it to actually leave behind some type of legacy? For me, I want to revolutionize, you know, the art of the school. You know what I mean? Like I was the the kid in in high school, you know, that was for sure class clown. You know, elementary school, middle school, you know, for sure class clown. But the the funny part about it, you know, the the oxymoron of it was I was the one of you know one of the smartest kids in the class, right? So for mm-hmm. me. I understand, I understand, you know, what the culture needs, you know, I understand, you know, why people, you know, might look at certain things a certain way. So for me, it's like, you know what, um, I'm going to revolutionize the aspect of what's cool. I'm not the person that's going to glorify these type of drugs taken or these type of, you know, violence, this, that, and the third. Like, the stuff I rap about is the stuff that I feel as though, 
it's cool, right? Because at the end of the day, right, the coolest person that was at high school, the guy that, you know, got the most girls or the girls that was the cutest or whatnot, at the end of the day, the coolest ain't always the most successful. And that's what I'm trying to help, you know, revolutionize because it's cool to be smart, right? And for me, that's the type of stuff I brag about because at the end of the day, music is braggadocious. So, you know, what keep me motivated is like, I'm for sure gonna, you know, leave my mark and make, you know, kids like, oh, that shit dope. Let me actually look into what he's talking about. Let me look into these shots he's talking about. At the end of the day, you know, what sets, what sets, you know, the my my people that being you know middle class African American people, you know, where I come from, that's what what sets us apart is you know just what we exposed to. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you a kid. If you're a kid, you know you you don't you only know what your parents know, you know you only know what's in your environment and you exactly. only know what you exposed to from the media. Obviously, the and the media portrays you know a lot of negative lights, and the music we listen to for the most part is it's, it might be telling your exact truth, it might be telling your story, but it ain't exposing you to nothing that's bigger. So for me, if a kid who who's listening to me, he like he talk like me, he from where I'm from, you know, but how the hell he make it to where he's at, or how's he doing X, Y, Z, you should listen to my music. You know, here's something that might inspire you to to, to listen to differently. Because there's no if, ands, or buts about it. Like, I was on, I'm walking to work, you know, on Wall Street listening to Gucci Mane. Nothing wrong with that. But I want a kid that's, you know, walking to, to, to the bus stop, you know, that's, you know, 10, you know, 12 years old now listening to Ross Mack. And Ross Mack talking about, you know, you know, I'm investing in this and, you know, and this, that. I just bought 10,000 puts. You know, XYZ, like, okay, Google that. Like, you know, if a white suburban kid can Google some stuff that 21 Savage say, and they have no idea what he's talking about, but they go Google it. He's like, okay, so they know clip is this, you know, lean is XYZ. Mm-hmm. And now they, that's ingrained in their mind. Whereas the Center City kid, he should be able to Google the stuff that I'm talking about and be like, oh, damn, okay. But wait, this is okay. Oh, wow, let me see what we're all talking about. How can I do that? And it's just about, Minds, you know, get a little more exposed. Yeah, I absolutely love, love, love that you mentioned that because I always um, have this conversation with just like friends and family. And I'm like, sometimes you don't realize it that you can become like a product of your environment. So you have to always, you know, actively find ways to expose yourself to different things other than what's directly put in front of you. So I love that you know, you are intentionally being meaningful behind um, your music. Even your um, videos, like I always check that out too. Like your videos are super creative. I think I just seen something that you posted um, on Instagram, how uh, you incorporated like um, Wall Street, like the numbers and stuff and how you look at stocks and stuff into your video. Like you're super intentional and creative behind the concepts that you make with your video. So that's what's up. Um, Appreciate that. I'm great. um, (laughs) I also, um, I listened to a previous interview you did with, um, with no catch up. And you talked a lot about like code switching and from like personal experience of pursuing your goals, what seems to be the common topic or, like cultural myths of things that you were advised by others, but you have personally experienced otherwise. And maybe before you answer this, maybe you can explain exactly like what code switching is and 
maybe walk us through how you gain the confidence to just be comfortable and not, you know, fall into cold switching? Yeah, well, at the end of the day, I'm cold switching. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm even cold switching right now. Like, cold switching is something where it's like anytime you're, for me, cold switching is in the most common time it was like and i just had my little cousin i was talking to yesterday he was like yeah i got an interview coming out one day and i'm like okay tell me what you don't say you know i'm like tell me about yourself mm-hmm. right and so for cold switching for me is literally where you are you know just talking a little more proper um you're not letting a person know you know that you're a ratchet person you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. like you're you are you know cold switching for me is like you literally are uh, are in a position of trying to to the best way to explain it. You are hiding who your true self is. Well, better yet, no, I won't even say you're hiding it, right? Like at the end of the day, it's still a part of you. But what I'm saying is that you're only allowing one side of yourself to show. That's what cold switching is, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, you know, if I have coworkers, they don't necessarily know what's in my iPod my iPod, right? They don't necessarily know what I for sure, you know, did. Uh, They don't necessarily know how and what different ways of slang I talk, right? And so as a result, you know, you're talking a different dialect, right? Different level of, you know, different level of properness. You're not not just being, you know, raw, gritty. You're not talking how, like a person that's from the south side of Chicago, if they're talking to a person that's you know, from the north suburbs, you know, that conversation is going to sound completely different than how a person, how I might talk to a person from the hood versus how I talk to an executive, right? And that's that's what the cold switching is, right? And as a result, every day of my life, for a long time, I cold switched, you know, in college, you know, six, a school that was 6%, you know, um, 6% black, you know, I mean, I'm in class, you know, I had to learn how to talk in a manner that was more conducive to hopefully, you know, me succeeding, right? You know, okay, how do I talk a little more proper? How do I understand? Because at the end of the day, you know, you, you got to, life is is all about you mark, like self-marketing, right? Mm-hmm. So no need for me to be a person that sounds like I can't relate to him, mm-hmm. right? That's what life is about, relatability. And that's what connections is made. That's how business is done, right? It's, all about relatability. Mm-hmm. If I can't relate to you, you know, I don't think I can spend money with you. I don't, and that's what that's what cold switching is, trying to be more relatable to your audience. Right. Um, and I, I like how you explained it too, because sometimes um, I would get people that would say like, um, why are you talking that way? Like for instance, I would have my cousin, like one time my cousin called me from, a random number that I didn't know. And I put on my, um, my corporate voice, my sorry to bother you movie type of voice. Um, and she had to check me. She was, she was like, girl, like, who are you? Like, who, who is this? This is your cousin. I was like, Oh, okay. What up? And I like how you said cold switches. Like you have to bring different, different versions of yourself to different occasions. Like you can still remain authentic to, to, to who you are with the different things that you do, but you also have to um, bring various, um, 
I don't versions of yourself to each occasion because the way you act outside is the way you can't uh act inside of uh, a corporate setting and some people are like well that's not being authentic but it is you have to learn how to be professional because if someone calls you about business and you answer like what up they gonna be like hmm like can I really do business with this person so I thought that was a an interesting topic to to touch on how do you um consciously make an effort to stay authentic and true to like who you are with knowing you have to bring different versions of yourself to um each occasion i mean being authentic is life right so um that and i think that's kind of the thing where you know it was early on for me it's like who am i you know what am i doing what am i interested in uh and one thing i've always been is authentic to myself to my true self Mm-hmm. Um, sorry about that. My OG was fucked. But like being authentic is a, is a big part, right? And for me, it's like, uh, uh, it's one thing to code switch, and it's another thing to to have a completely different. Uh, it's it's not being true to your, yourself, right? Like at the end of the day, when a person's like, oh, you're talking white, what does that truly mean, right? Does that mean I'm talking proper? Does that mean I'm not being true to who I am? I am in my upbringing, right? And so, when well, a person who's ignorant, be like, "Why are you talking white?" You know, the reality is, you know, white talking crap, right? Because that—that—that's what it is, right? Are you saying that if you come from a certain area, you should talk what is different vernacular? And that's—that's that's what it is. So for me, I'm always been true to myself, whether I'm talking proper or not. You know, what I mean? I'm always gonna be the same person. I always have my same values, and that's kind of, you know, what I, you know, that's what I think about. Okay. So, um, to give you a little bit more info about me, like I'm creative and like as a creative, I have many different skills and I'm currently working on creating different projects to highlight, highlight my various skills, such as this podcast, because my personal long-term goal is like I was telling you earlier is I want to be, um, a creative director or producer within like the tech media or beauty industry and I understand that like sometimes while working towards these goals initially you may not land in the opportunity directly in your field of choice um so like I said I created this podcast as a side project similarly I know how you have like a lot of ventures that started out as side projects was there a key moment or experience that has helped you transition or realize like the things you do for fun can be turned into like a profitable business I know you touched on it a little bit earlier but was there like a key moment like something where a light bulb turned on and you're like okay like I can do this long term. I mean, I think that's that's the best part is when you ask people like, are they passionate about what they do, right? If you're able to do something at first for fun and for free is when the real passion can stick with it, right? And so, you know, starting out once you're doing something out of pure passion, you know, that's that's what's gonna make you one love it more. And then it's at that moment where it's like, oh crap. Like, oh, shit, like, you can actually make money off this, right? And it can actually be, um, it actually be something bigger than, you know, where it is. I actually can see it growing to a larger, you know, platform. And that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what, that's kind of where, you know, that, that, that light bulb turns on. Like, oh, shit, so I'm going house first, you know, 
I can throw, I can move it to a bigger venue. And now I'm, now, you know, I'm looking, I see the type of people that I have in here. I can actually talk to some companies. You know, they might have some marketing dollars if they're actually trying to target, you know, market to the demographic that I have, right? Or if it's like, you know, I'm making music, I'm freestyling, then it's like, wait, you know, people actually liking my stuff. Oh, wait, you know, I'm, you know, I'm writing records that I, not only are my friends like them, but now more people are like, oh, shit. You know, now I see networks want to pick up this song. So now it's like, okay, now I can, you know, license my music. I'm getting paid for a song that was just some, for some porn stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the same with just anything. It's like the moment your passion comes and it's like, you know what? I love it so much. Let me make it more than just a hobby. It's like something that I can actually make money on and actually you know, touch other people and actually have a bigger impact. That's what's up. So I know that you mentioned like um, the app that you're currently working on developing and everything. How can people get in touch with you if they would like to stay up to date with, you know, the projects that you have working on, um, the drills or um, drink house? How can people get in touch with you and stay up to date with everything that you have going on? People can find me on, you know, all social media platforms. I am Ross Mack. That's, you know, the letter I, the letter M, R O S S M A C. And from there, you know, um, you'll be able to see a lot of my stuff. You know, I promote my drills through there, drink house through there. But obviously, uh, you know, I have different pages for all of those businesses. So, if you're interested, if you're in Chicago, you want to come to the dopest vibe in the world. Um, it's can't drink house guy. That's drink, and then house is H A U S. Shy C H I. Um, if you're in any of those big markets that I mentioned, New York, Philly, DC, Chicago, Atlanta, Miami, LA, Austin. Um, if you're ever, you know, want to go to a dope party. Um, you know, that's the drill, and that's it's the drill. I T S T H E. D R I L L, and uh, for the for my tech company up next, you can follow that up next app, next music app. That's on uh, you know the social platforms up next music app. Uh, and yeah, you know just definitely um, releasing a lot of new music. Just releasing a new single called "Design a Freak." Um, I definitely need to get on that. I'm on all the uh, music platforms, streaming platforms. And that's R O double dollar sign in the neck. So Ross, but two double dollar signs, um, two dollar signs, um, and M A C. And you know, listen to the music. It's about five. I'm putting out more music January. I'm gonna drop a project, and in February I'm gonna drop a project. Kind of turn to the lovely beautiful winner. And then uh, from there, you know, we ain't looking back. That's what's up. That's what's up. So I'm going to conclude the podcast on a light note by introducing three questions geared towards providing a fun call to action or takeaway for listeners. So are you ready for the culture challenge? Let's do it. So what is one thing that you have observed that has become a common trend among people that you would like to challenge people to do or think about differently for one week for example um a lot of people 
Snapchat while driving like 90 miles per hour on the expressway. So what's something that you feel like has become a common trend that you would like people to do or think about differently for a week? flexing i love it that's real that's real so the other uh question is what general uh advice or resources can you share with us that can be useful for someone who is interested in embarking on a similar path as you to break into investing maybe rapping or starting their own business like books websites Um, my my biggest advice has and always will be just remaining farsighted. And I mean, like, literally understanding that, you know, I should tell my little cousins this, right? And it's like, understanding that what you do now is obviously going to impact what you do in the future. But, like, you know, people, you know, want to, you know, if you partying every day, doing this and that, like, understand that, you know, understand people carpet, you know, want to live every day like your last. To me, it's like, I understand that, live every day like your last, but be prepared for when tomorrow. If, when, and if tomorrow comes. And so the reason I say that is like, you need to remain foresight. You got to have tunnel vision. You got to be able to look beyond the just in front of you. You got to be able to see, okay, what am I trying to do in five years? You know, just a lot of people, you know, only be looking at the right now. And I need people to always be prepared for tomorrow. True, that's what's up. That's what's up. So the last one isn't a, a pop question. It's more like a, a pop challenge for you. Um, can you spit a freestyle using not your average culture or the word culture? So that's the last challenge for you. It's to spit a freestyle using not your average culture. Spit a freestyle. Like incorporating the the title of the podcast, not your average culture. So spit a freestyle and incorporate not your average culture or the word culture. Not your average culture. Mm-hmm. I you. got this. Say not your average culture. I'm all about my green like agriculture. A lot of people culture vultures. And I ain't talking about it. I love women body like a sculpture. Yada 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 yada. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. I could work with that. 
Well, thank you, Ross. I really appreciate you taking time to uh, chat with me. I greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. All day. I appreciate you for having me. Much love, Chardonnay. Much love, much love. Appreciate you. So that concludes this week's episode. Some of the key takeaways are if you are in business or have a team of people you work with, be intentional about bringing people on your team that have a skill set that you may lack or someone who is more knowledgeable on a topic than you are. If you're looking to level up, strategically surround yourself with people who are not only like-minded, but also bring value to the team. What stood out most to me was he mentioned the various teams that he works with, but he was also honest that he is not doing this alone. And as a creative, that hit home for me because often I think I can do things on my own. But in reality, you can probably achieve so much more if you are collaborating with others. And most importantly, the major takeaway is the culture challenge. Stop internet flexing. Okay, we see you. To all the girls taking a cute picture of their drink staged perfectly in front of your Louis bag, to the guy taking a photo of his fit, staying in front of someone else's car, we see you. You look cute or whatever, but it's flexing paying the bills or creating one for you. I don't know. I don't know your business, but let's take a break from it. Now, I'm not saying you can't treat yourself to something nice, but if you can't afford to buy some of those items 10 times, then what are we doing? Just throwing away money? Like, I don't know. But if you are enjoying this podcast, please share it, rate it, or subscribe. Your support is greatly appreciated. That's all I have for today. Peace, love, and everything in between. I'm out. Mwah.